Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we're bringing you the story of Richard Dodds. It is an old-timey true crime story, so uh, we'll get into it. Grab your drink and buckle up. Toot toot. Beep beep. back to another round of bartending. I do also want to take a quick moment here and say happy early birthday to Trish. At the wait all year. Her birthday is actually the day after this episode releases, December 21st. We I'm not we'll ruining cool dancing. I was about to say I'm not <laughs> ruining any surprises here. So um we're taking Trish to a pole dancing class. If it's five o'clock when you're listening to this on the 21st, just picture us pole dancing. <laughs> or chair dancing. <laughs> Working on the Meg the Stallion knees. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, super excited about that. <laughs> super, super excited about that, clearly. Happy birthday, Trish. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Anyways, um, so today I am going to bring you another champagne drink. And this is going to be the poinsettia. This is definitely a popular cocktail around here. Not so much where I grew up at, but I feel like it's because of the azalea flowers and whatnot. Like, I don't Very know. possible, yeah. And also it's a seasonal drink. But a poinsettia is cranberry juice and champagne or sparkling wine. Boom. Which I also feel like it's just taking on the name of poinsettia. Down Be- here, specifically. Because yes. it's... Like, if you look at a traditional, like, poinsettia that you, like, see at Christmas, they're the big red, like, flowers. Mm-hmm. So you take, like, the cranberry. You don't have anything to, like, dilute it except for a clear liquid yeah so you get a red drink it's a perfect christmas slash new year's drink one of our best friends crystal this is her favorite like mimosa to drink and to me that's what this is it's It's a mimosa yeah it's one that i definitely like but i mean that apple cider one the apple cider is my favorite come spring i will also bring a blueberry lemonade one like I said in the apple cider episode, uh, there's Brick and Spoon, a local-ish chain restaurant, and they have this lemon blueberry one that is amazing. And just like, depending on what time of the year it is, is whether or not I crave the apple cider mimosa or the blueberry lemonade mimosa. (laughs) I literally saw someone that took like a spray bottle of orange juice and just kind of did that over their like flute of champagne. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So it was like a spritzing of it, the orange juice. That's I was my like, mama. That's perfect. <laughs> That's my mama. That's what I was raised with. Yes. But the poinsettia slash cranberry mimosa, whatever you prefer to call it. It's Christmas time, so we're going to call it the poinsettia. Cranberry juice, champagne, sparkling wine, prosecco, whatever you want to use slash call it. And measure with your heart. 
if you prefer more alcohol, then, you know, use the little spritzy bottle with your cranberry juice. And if you prefer more juice, then, you know, pour your juice in and then top it off with the champagne. Yep. Either way, enjoy. This is a super easy, like, brunch, dinner, whatever. Easy to serve. You can pour it all up in a pitcher to serve or serve it glass by glass. Serve it with multiple juices. Call it a mimosa bar. Whatever floats your boat. Whatever you choose to do. Grab your glass. Buckle up for the Hot Mess Express. Here we go. All right. So as we said, today's case is about, is about Richard Dodd. And it is definitely one of those old-timey ones. So old-timey is a good way of us saying uh, it's going to be a shorter case. Just because there's usually not as much information. Every so often you will come across one that has a lot. But this is one that just really there's not a lot on. So, Richard Dodd was an English painter of the Victorian era. His work is most noted for his depictions of fairies and other supernatural subjects. Also, Orientalist scenes and ignomatic I think that's how it's said I don't know I struggle with some of these words um it's like ignomatic uh genre scenes rendered with obsessively uh municipal like detail so like very like kind of like abstract not stuff you would really I guess picture from the Victorian era They're definitely off the wall. He was ahead of his time for sure. So what's fascinating is that most of his works were created when he was a patient at Bethlehem and Broadmoor hospitals. Which are basically psychiatric hospitals because he was considered insane. Aren't we all? In this room, yes. <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's learn about Richard. Richard was born in Chatham, Kent, England on August 1st, 1817. He was the son of Robert Dodd, a chemist, and Mary Ann who was the daughter of shipwright Richard Martin. He went to school at King's School in Rochester, where his artistic abilities were evident early on. This led to his administration at the Royal Academy of Arts at the age of 20. And then fast forward to July of 1842, Sir Thomas Phillips, the former mayor of Newport, chose Dodd to accompany him as his draftsman on an expedition through Europe and Greece. Uh, Sorry, Europe to Greece to Turkey to southern Syria and finally Egypt. So, he went all over Europe. 
In November, they spent a grueling two weeks in southern Syria, where they passed from Jerusalem to Jordan, and returning across the Engadi Wilderness. So, during the end of December, while they were traveling up the Nile, Richard was said to undergo a dramatic personality change, which is a real um, polite way, I guess, of putting that he basically was hallucinating and just, like, probably driven mad with all the changes that were going on with his body and probably his eating habits and everything. He became delusional and violent. He believed himself to be under the influence of the Egyptian god Osiris. So he believed himself to be under the Egyptian god of Osiris. He also thought that the Pope was out to get him. And Richard was originally diagnosed with sunstroke. feel like I've had sunstroke at one point through band practice and everything. But I never thought the um, Egyptian gods were speaking to me. I've definitely had <laughs> quite a few stroke-like experiences. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, both uh, just these physical and then just probably from some... Uh, extracurriculars you've seen my twitches <laughs> you've seen i them. mean i have yes you've witnessed them i will literally throw coffee across <laughs> the room in a heartbeat <laughs> something's happening there it's a, it's a sad day for me when i see the coffee spill i'm like oh no us us we just it's lick a sad it day off for the us. floor <laughs> i have licked it off the table <laughs> Not the floor. The dogs get the floor. I was going to say the dogs get the floor. I get the table. <laughs> get a little extra in your coffee. <laughs> Depending on what table. <laughs> uh, so, if you're like me, I didn't know, like, who Osiris was. But he's the lord of the underworld and judge of the dead. So basically, think of Hades if you think of like modern day, like who? <laughs> if you think of like probably most well known, if you think like was uh, uh, Greece? Yes. Yes. I was Athens. like Athens. Athens. If you Greece. think of like those like deities and gods and that. Yes. Yes. There is. Osiris is Hades, basically. Look. There is this series. You know I am a yeah. kink. I know. I know. And the kink, but I gotta let the readers know. And the listeners. The <laughs> listeners that read. You know what I'm trying to say. Anyways, there is this book series. And it's called A Touch of Darkness. <laughs> and if you're interested in the Greek god shit, you need to read this fucking series. Because it's a modern take kink book phenomenon so I, so I need to read this i've told you have you i guess i i told you and logan that you need to get public 
the public library card to get the hoopla because that's where this is. Okay. But it's a series and they, she even, it was really difficult for me whenever I did this, we're going to go and go. Into this. <laughs> but whenever I first read it, I read all three of the touch of darkness books and they're all from, um, Persephone's perspective. Oh, mm -hmm. but there are also Hades perspectives that go in between them. But if you're on like a Kindle app or a Hoopla, which is what my public library uses, there's also Libby. There's different things. If you have a public library card, look into it. You probably have free ebooks that you can get through a different app that's not Kindle. Anyways, so whenever you're looking on these apps, it's not clear. But it goes Persephone's book, Hades book, Persephone's book, Hades book, Persephone's book, Hades book. But take your time reading this shit because the next Persephone book does not come out until September of 2023. Oh, so I am damn. having the biggest book hangover from this series. And I listen to it on Hoopla. If I read it, I read it on Kindle. If I listen to it, it's on Hoopla. So... Listen to it audiobook style, and let me tell you, I have never blushed so hard. <laughs> I have never wanted to go to the underworld as bad as I did during that series. Me, I love my, like, Roman, Greek, like, mythology, so um, I've always loved Hades. And I mean, like, <clears throat> modern-day Hermes in this shit. <laughs> like, modern-day Athens, where they still where they use like debit cards and cell phones like it is a modern day greek kink romance book series i'll have to look into it i'll have to add it to my list please do <laughs> every last one of you and then let me know what you think by the end except the end's not gonna be here for <laughs> oh man me being Salem from Sabrina. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yes. So, Osiris is basically, like, if you think of, like, prime more modern, like, knowledge, he's basically Hades. So, when Richard returned to England in the spring of 1843, he was diagnosed with an unsound mind. Again, aren't we all? Amen. <laughs> um, his family took him to recuperate in the countryside village of Cobham, Kent. Sorry if I'm saying these names wrong. I know Kent was right, but the other <laughs> names, not sure. So, on August 28th, Richard became convinced that his father was the devil in disguise. Again, I feel like some people can relate to this. But Richard thought, like, his father was basically the devil. And that evening, Richard and his father had a few drinks at about 9 p.m., then decided to take a walk. They walked to Cobham Park, and as they arrived, his father needed to relieve himself. Again, remember, this is the 1800s, so there was no rules about, like, 
public exposure or like indecency or anything like that. So his father just kind of went to like the grassy area or some bushes and just whipped it out and relieved himself. Not creepy at all. <laughs> right? Um. So as his father turned to do so, Richard attacked him. He tried to cut his throat with a razor. Richard, who was age 26 at the time, ended up stabbing his father with a sailor's knife and fled. Richard fled to France and told people the Egyptian god Osiris ordered him to carry out an attack. Always gotta go giving the guys, you know, in the underworld such a bad name. They're misunderstood. They're morally gray. I'm telling you, after that book series, <laughs> I would rather be in the underworld. Right? Hades right. took real great care of his people. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, okay? There's a reason why Lucifer was one of my, like, favorite series that ended up being on Netflix and that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like once it got on Netflix, it almost got better. <laughs> But, whoo! So, while traveling by stagecoach, Richard tried to attack a man in the same way he attacked his father, but was overpowered. So, sir, <laughs> maybe don't attack while other people are around? I mean, I'm not saying what you're doing is right, but still also, like... Dude, <laughs> you can't leave witnesses. <coughs> so French police had him committed to an asylum, but English police filed for an extradition of Richard. And Dodd was returned to England and appeared before Maidstone Assises, I think is how it's said. In August of 1844. So Richard was found unfit to withstand trial. Not shocking. I mean this man thinks that like ancient Egyptian gods are speaking to him. Which I mean being a slightly like modern day witch i mean i guess <laughs> I, I i understand it but also like dude people don't understand it you're going to look fucking crazy so yes he's he's basically said to basically be unfit to withstand trial and he is sent to the criminal department of bethlehem psychiatric hospital he was encouraged to continue his painting by doctors, and it's believed that Richard suffered from a form of paranoid schizophrenia. It wouldn't be unheard of, as mental illness seemed to run in the family. So, I mean, yeah, I think back then, really, if you were just, like, abnormal... They would just come up with all sorts of shit to say that you were. So, I mean, 
unfortunately, if you suffered from things like schizophrenia or like anything, you were just, you were just considered evil and you either were gotten rid of or you were just basically stowed away to where people didn't know about you. I mean, point number one, even if you were gay, that was an issue. So you were locked away like you were mentally ill. And two, let's not forget that Maurice was thrown away for saying that his daughter had been kidnapped by a beast. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, I'm talking about Beauty and the Beast. Crazy old Maurice. Crazy old Maurice, eh? (laughs) Uh, Crazy old Maurice. So, doctors reported... Sorry. Doctors' reports describe Dodd as always remaining incoherent and deluded in his conversations, but he was able to paint. So, if he's supposedly so crazy and just speaking nonsense but like you're literally saying they're going but he paints so well and it's just like it's beautiful what he's painting that's coming from the same mind that is supposedly like spouting this nonsense that you just can't understand so is he crazy or is he a genius I'm both right (laughs) So, after 20 years at Bethlehem, Dodd was moved to the Criminal Lunatic Asylum at Broadmoor, which was outside London. Here, he remained painting consistently and receiving infrequent visitors until January 7th of 1886, where he, like, when he died. And... From an extensive disease of lungs is the, like, prognosis. So, probably pneumonia. That'd be the most likely thing I could think of. So, despite murdering his father and clearly being mentally unstable, Richard Dodd has made a legacy. And Freddie Mercury was actually inspired to write the song The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke based on Dodd's painting. Obviously, that's not one of his more well-known, but I feel like now I need to go look this song up and maybe I'll, I'll understand Richard Dodd some more because let's be honest... Freddie Mercury, if which if that name does not ring a bell, go educate yourself. But that is the lead singer of Queen. Yes. So you're a young man. I was gonna say, think like we are the like we are the champions. Like we will rock you like that. Like come on, kicking your bag all over the fat bottom girls. My my anthem. See, I grew up with a baseball dad. Yeah. I grew up with a baseball dad. Those are definitely baseball. So, like, we will, <laughs> we will rock you. That's what I grew up with. That and 
It was a one-on-one horn fine purple. Which is not either. queen. Not queen. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm fucking aware. Please do not send us messages. I'm aware. I'm just saying. I grew up with baseball soundtracks. But yes. I did not hear Fat Bottom Girls until I was in uh, college. We make the rockin' world go round. <laughs> oh, it's my song now. <laughs> Best believe I've adopted it. I'm just saying that I did not hear it for the first time. Uh... Until I was in college. It's not a baseball song. Yeah. But if you want to look up that song again, it's called The Fairy Feller's Masterstroke. So, like I said, it's one that I'll have to look up. I wrote these notes like two weeks ago, so like I forgot about it. But um, also this like case, uh, Richard Dodd inspired Angela carter to write come unto these yellow sands which was a radio play based on dodd's life which first broadcasted in 1979 so like i said dodd has basically created a legacy even though he killed his father because he thought he was like satan so, I mean, maybe crazy looks good on some people. <laughs> it's like, me, I look, I look I think I look cute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ever since I went back to, like, having my hair like this red-violet, you know how many people at work have been like, oh my god, I love your hair. I'm like, thanks. I'm glad crazy looks good on me. Mentally unstable looks great. Awesome. <laughs> if I was in the Marvel Universe, I would be what's her face. God damn it. Different color pigtails. Joker's girlfriend. Harley Quinn. I'd be Harley Quinn. It's like, <laughs> it's like who, who are you going for? And he said Joker's girlfriend. I was like, oh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> that would be me. I don't know why. I, like, anytime I dye my hair red or, like, this red-violet that currently is, everyone's always like, oh, my God, I love your hair. And I'm like, thanks. This is my mentally unstable hair. Thanks so much. <laughs> Meanwhile, I just chopped off <laughs> 10 inches of my hair. I mean, we both chopped off our hair. It's fine. <laughs> I chopped off a significantly more. <laughs> I cut, like, three inches off of Trisha's. I, like, went from hair to about halfway down my back to above my shoulder. <laughs> Mentally unstable. Check. But, yes. So, we definitely, I feel like, relate to Richard a little bit. A little. But, yes. But we, not at the same time. I just... I was looking for a good case, and this one popped up, and I knew it was going to be short, but, like, it was just one that, like, drew me in, because as I was reading, I was like, all right, he's some Victorian painter that, like, went a little crazy, and then I got to the part where he, like, killed his father because he thought it was the devil, and I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, <laughs> and then he, like, basically got away with it, they were like, shh, shh. We're just going to put you in this mental hospital. It'll be fine. And then that's when his, like, most praised work came out. I'm like, 
I mean, you can all say that mental illness is like nothing, like a bad thing, but I mean, it gave you this artwork that you all love so much. I just want to say that I hate the term mental illness. Because in our society, we are very much like a corporation, go, 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 go society. And that just means that anybody that does not adhere to that is a problem. And so while there are a lot of mental illnesses that are actually illnesses, we have a lot of people on this spectrum that are still functional in society in their own way. They're just not corporate successful. Yes. Hello, me. And so to that, like, it's not, it's not always an illness. We're just not what our society expects us to be. Yeah. It, it's hard because obviously as things have developed and people have started to look more into like autism and stuff like that. They're realizing that, you know, certain things don't present the same in, like, female to male. Like, it's more highly, like, accurate that a male is going to be diagnosed with autism before a female. Because historically, we've only studied males. Yeah. Like, look at the BMI chart. That was all based on white males. Over a hundred years ago at this point, and we have all evolved, we all have different body types, and it's not fair to say that I should be the same weight as my fucking husband. When I signed up for the gym that we go to, they do, like, they try and get you to get a personal trainer right out the gate because they're like... Oh, if I get you while you're like vulnerable, you're more likely to sign up for this personal trainer. And the one I got, I'm sure he's a great guy, but like he legit was so focused on the fact of like my weight compared to like basically BMI charts and stuff like that. <laughs> he was like, You need to be like 120 pounds. And I'm like, I would look fucking sickly at 120 pounds, sir. I have been on a wellness journey for the past five years and I call it a wellness journey because I haven't given up, but I've given up in the pursuit of being my smallest self. So what I mean in that is at my lowest point, I had lost uh, exactly 102 pounds and like four ounces. I went from 260 pounds to 157 point something and I looked absolutely sickly. And I avoided food. I avoided time with friends because it was easier to maintain the weight loss that way versus actually living my life. Yeah. And so, like, I don't even remember what my point was. It's just, like, the BMI chart in that is just so, like, out of proportion. That's my point. I was still overweight at that point. I was still overweight. I was only like 10 pounds away from being obese. And if you look at pictures from me from that time, I look absolutely anorexic. My bones were sticking out. I am just a very big muscular girl. And I know that I carry a good bit of loose skin weight on me as well. But I was a gymnast from the age of four to like 10. 
I've always been interested in sports. I started lifting weights with college guys when I was nine years old. I am a big person. And I know that some people think big boned is bullshit. It is to a certain extent. But however, the BMI is even more bullshit. That was the point to all of that. (laughs) It's just like, it's ridiculous anymore. Like what people consider like healthy because like it all depends on like basically how you carry stuff in that and Mm -hmm. like. I work out more than the average person and I am still obese by anybody's measurement. And I just, I carry my weight in my stomach. I have PCOS. It is what it is. But I work out consistently and I like lift weights. I do cardio. I walk my dogs. I do all the right things. And I honestly, I undereat, And that's probably my biggest issue. Um, But like still my calories are within a quote unquote respectable range they just, it's still all problematic. Yeah. Because of my hormonal imbalance, like, my body does not respond to normal things like it should. Yeah. But with that being said, even though this man technically had a, men- a mental illness, if you go by, like, today's standards, he still made a legacy for himself. And I think that's to be respected. Yes, he did kill somebody, (laughs) so he's not a great guy, but still. I thought it was a fun case for my birthday case. I wanted something that wasn't as, like, heavy, but I guess with that being said, we'll kick you off to our last call. Welcome back to another Last Call with Sloan. It is a Christmas season, Christmas week. I've held off on the Christmas fun facts. You're welcome, Grinches. (laughs) Logan. Yes. (laughs) And today I am still going to kind of lay low, even though it's my last chance, I think, to do Christmas facts. And by that, I mean, I have maybe one more. I think today I'm going to do German Christmas fun facts. We doing some Krampus? Yes. Yes. So if you know anything about German Christmas, it's not Jolly St. Nicholas. It is a little bit darker to most. Um, but first, fun fact, stockings are filled on December 6th. Children in Germany receive their stockings on St. Nicholas Day, the 6th of December, and they are opened on the morning of the 7th. Known as the Feast of St. Nicholas, this age-old tradition is observed in many European countries, regardless of religious denomination. Good God, that was a long sentence. (laughs) Typically, a Christmas stocking is an empty sock, a sock-shaped bag, or a more modern stocking which children will leave outside their door for St. Nicholas to fill. From small toys to oranges and chocolate coins, it's a lovely surprise for children to enjoy at the beginning of December. And here we go! Number two, Krampus Knocked. Krampus Night. I mean, I feel like that was If you watched TikTok, you saw the parade <sighs> through, like, Austria and that with, like, Krampus. And I was like, I love the people stitching it going, the U.S. is saying they want to get back to European values. So where's my Krampus parade? I was like, bring it on! I will go wherever I need to for a Krampus parade. But also, Trish sent me a TikTok of a penguin parade. Oh, my God. We both cried. 
I've never cried <laughs> over a cute animal, but this was like 10 to 12 cute little penguins back to back to back. If you've learned anything from this podcast, you can send me a fucking penguin and I will cry. Cute. My favorite was Bridget. She was the last <laughs> penguin and she kept trying to get all the cuddles, but they were told not to touch the penguins. I love the lady that I sent. She was like, if a penguin dives in my lap, I mean that's just that's just the fate saying, Hey, this is mine. <laughs> I said, Amen. <laughs> Me with my coat. <laughs> what penguin? <laughs> penguin. <laughs> I think it went that way. <laughs> Anyways. So Krampus knock, according to tradition, Krampus knock occurs before the night before the celebration of the feast of St. Nicholas. So the night that the kids get the stockings. You know anything about Krampus? I mean, it's just so funny to me when people say, we need to go back to European, like, values and that. And when I think I'm like, because y'all don't know Krampus because, whoo! Because Krampus is a horned figure who, during the festive season, scares children who have misbehaved. I honestly think, yes, let's bring back the European traditions. Let's scare these fucking children that have no respect. Uh, Do I it. will say, that is the one thing that maybe my family did miss out on. Because, man, with eight of us, you know we misbehaved. <laughs> I'm being mostly German too. Woo! Number three, Advent's calendar. Advent calendars. I never got into Advent calendars, but now that like I see them all over TikTok and that, I want one. I wish that I would have known that because I would have made you a great Advent calendar. But Advent calendars next year were actually originated in Ger- in Germany. Which makes sense because Trader Joe's and Aldi's have like really great European like. Well, they're European ancestry, but they have really great uh, advent calendars every year. They do a wine one. They do like a a chocolate one. They do puppy treats. A chocolate or a wine one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So ideas for you for next Christmas. Noting. I know Sam's uh, does like the alcohol ones. Even do a beer one. I would. Yeah, but our Sam's do... doesn't sell liquor. It only sells beer. Our Costco might sell liquor. I would liquor. say Costco has it because I've seen it when I'm found with mom. Yeah, but our Another Sam's Club. Why I'm looking at a Costco membership. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'll go in with you. <laughs> so the advent calendars were first used by German Lutherans in the 19th and 20th centuries. Many families began to mark the days leading up to Christmas by burning a candle or marking walls or doors with a line of chalk. The tradition has, of course, changed slightly, with shops now selling chocolate advent calendars and sustainable fill-your-own-advent calendars. I literally have one, like, at my front door. I just am broke never, as fuck this yeah, year. Yeah, never do anything. I usually put a Reese's cup, because a Reese's cup fits perfectly in yeah. those little drawers, and I bought this thing from Dirt Cheap many years ago, so it's missing a few of its pieces, but it still works. It still has its drawers. It's still fillable. Speaking of Reese's Cups, I need to do my uh, cookies that have the Reese's Cups in them. Peanut butter blossoms. The peanut blossoms, whatever. Yes, those are my favorite. Love them. Hershey Kisses or Reese's Cups in the middle. I don't care. I don't care. Number four, Christmas is celebrated on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, Heiliger, 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 I've been, I've been studying German all year long and I 
still struggle. I was like, yeah, Heliger, Eben, Eben. Is a jam-packed day of celebrations for Germans. Traditionally, many households will spend the day decorating the tree, preparing food for the family, sprucing up the home. As soon as the night draws in, households will gather around the tree. According to tradition, the Christkind delivers the first uh, delivers the presents when the children are waiting outside the room. A bell will be rung for children to step inside the room, where the family will then sing carols before the opening of gifts begins. Some families heads head the, head to Christmas Eve services at their local churches afterwards, while others may indulge in delicious foods. To all of that, I say that sounds very much like my family, but. The only German in my family is my stepfather. <laughs> and this is like my tradition with my grandmother and my cousins and my aunts and uncles. I mean, my family's very all over the place with how we usually do Christmas. Like, my mom definitely grew up doing the Italian, like, feast of fish. But then, like, dad was, you know, your German Christmas. And then when they got married, it just kind of, like, like, mom literally texted me <laughs> the other day and was like, so for Christmas, do you want a low country boil or do you want ham? And I was like, I mean, I'll do either. <laughs> country boil, please. <laughs> I was like, I don't do the crawfish and that she does, though. So I'm, I'm eating Koneka sausage and potatoes and corn. Well, and that's the thing for me is both of my families did not really hold on to their heritage. Like, we're just Southern families. <laughs> <laughs> we're just Southern. Anyways, back to Germany. Number five, the Christmas tree is decorated last. Traditionally... It gets a pickle put on it, too. You gotta find the pickle. Traditionally, <laughs> the tree is only put up in Germany on the 24th of December. To that, I say, what a fucking waste. I want to enjoy my lights for at least two months before I have to take them all down. Logan, if you're listening, we're not following German heritage and putting the tree up on the 24th. If you put it up on the 24th, you got to keep it up for two months. There you go. That's my rule. If, I, if I have, I'm telling you, if I put in all of the effort to decorate for Christmas, that shit is staying up for at least two months. I'm legit making myself like a little wreath put on the front door because I don't like the one I currently have. <laughs> and Logan's like, why? And I'm like, because I don't like the one on the front door. She goes, but why? I'm like, it's not one that I picked. It's one that I inherited and it's falling apart. And I love it because I inherited it, but I wouldn't have picked it. Yeah. Yeah. So while this now varies from family to family, many of the older generations still deck the halls on the morning of Christmas Eve. The rest of the home is decorated beforehand, but it's just the tree which is saved until last. And I do kind of get that. Like, if you have separated family and y'all all come together for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and you, like, decorate together. But once again, if I am struggling to decorate, I'm going to enjoy those lights for at least two months. Yes. Nate literally looked at me this year and goes, I'm surprised you haven't decorated for Christmas. And I was like, yeah, but the Halloween's still up. And he goes, yeah, I'm shocked about that, too. And I was yeah. like, I would leave Halloween up year-round if Christmas did not come right after it. I have certain Halloween decorations that have been incorporated into my Christmas oh, decorations. Same. So uh, Same. And I've even snuck in some of my Christmas stuff every year. 
but it's mostly penguin stuff. So even if Nate yeah. notices it, he's not going to say anything because it's penguin mine, Christmas. Mine, I have, like, I made this, like, bouquet of, like, kind of, like, flower things. But, like, the colors I used were, like, black and red. So then I just got some stuff to put around it that were Christmas themed that were also kind of, like, darker colors so I could keep it up. And then for my mantle, I have, like, two, like, little plastic skulls with, like, some flowers yes. that come out of them. I have those skulls, too. And I have lights that I keep up all year round. And so I just wrap some garland and some black, like, velvet bows <laughs> and put it up and then put some, like, red snowflakes hanging off of it. And I was like, here you go. Christmas ween. <laughs> the nightmare before Christmas. There you go. <laughs> Number six. Such a smooth transition, I know. Yeah, it's fine. Number six. Placing an advent wreath on the table. I've never had an advent wreath. But advent wreaths, known as, known as Adventskratz, is a tradition which the German Lutherans in the 16th century kickstarted. Typically, the wreath consists of four candles in a bed of pine cones, berries, dried flowers, and various festive ornaments. Most households will bring out the wreath at the beginning of December, lighting one candle each Sunday throughout the month. I like it. Number Mom seven. Does. Mom kind of has that. Number seven, Christmas markets. While the magic of German Christmas markets has spread all around the world, it's a tra tradition which first arrived from Germany. I wish we had it. We have one in Jackson. It's Mistletoe Market. It's a huge fucking deal. I love it. I miss it. We do have a market. We have several markets that happen here every Saturday and Sunday. And they do like Christmas yeah, themes but... around this time of year. But it's not the fucking same. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's just our annual like flea market that then is like, oh, it's Christmas time. Let's make it a Christmas market. Well, there's also one off of uh, Old Highway 90. And it's inside a building. But yeah. they do flea markets every Sunday. And it's kind of more downtown. Anyways, so... um. Seven, Christmas markets. It's thought the origins of Christmas markets can be traced back to the German-speaking part of Europe in the Middle Ages. There really is nothing better than ice skating, followed by gluwin, mold wine, hell yes, give it to me, and a hot dog at one of the best markets. Sign me the fuck up. Mobile, bring it. I've, I've never done ice skating, but that's because... Um... <sighs> I was never, after I broke my arm the fourth time skating, I was told by my mom I was not allowed to do anything with the word skate in it while I was on their <laughs> insurance. So I've never done ice skating. I love ice skating. From somebody from Mississippi versus Ohio, that's fucking crazy. I love ice skating. I might Logan's be horrible always, at it now. Yeah, Logan's always said she kind of wanted to take me downtown when they do the ice skating thing, but, like, we've never done it. So, um, that might be an idea for uh, my birthday, but also just realize that you run the risk of having to take me to the ER. Not running that risk. <laughs> Not me. I don't like... That'll be all on Logan. I apparently, um... That will be all on like... Logan, and I will continue partying without both of you. I like to apparently, like, when I fall on my butt, even though I have a, a lot of cushion, I like to try to stop myself. So then I just, like, jam my wrist and end up, like, fracturing or breaking it. Been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's why I'm not allowed to do anything with the word skate. 
while you were on your parents' insurance, you're no longer there. So that's between you and Logan. I have no part in that. <laughs> no part. Number eight. Just put some wrist guards on me, okay? Number eight. Christmas angel. Step into any German house at Christmas time and you'll find an abundance of Christmas angels. I'm not even going to try to pronounce um, apparently, it. Apparently, uh... Vina Shingle. Vina Shingle. We, I was a Vina Shingle. I don't know. Around the home. One of the most popular decorations, the angels are either put on the tree or placed on sideboards. In some families, they are passed down. I am a through, terrible German. They are passed down through generations and have special meanings such as hope, joy, love, togetherness, and peace. What I'm finding out through this is my family is a lot more German than, than our ancestry is. My grandmother has collected angels my whole life. Like, every Christmas, that's what you got her. We are terrible Germans because there's no angels passing down through this family. If anything, it's like Santa Claus and, like... Krampus. No, it's... I mean, it's Santa Claus I'm and... sorry, Mom and Dad! <laughs> it's like Santa Claus and snowmen that get, like passed down i'm more sorry to apologizing to your parents than my own <laughs> it's fine <laughs> number nine i literally said to my mom last christmas i was like man i need to go buy some new ornaments and she goes why i'm like because the ornaments that i was like passed down through our friend are like all these red ones and that's just not my like jam it's not what i want mm -hmm. and mom was like well i got all these ornaments that i'm not using they're like blues and like silvers and golds i was like perfect i'll take them she was like all right so i like used them last year and then i like packed them up i was like all right when do you want me to bring these over and she's like i'll just keep them i was like cool <laughs> so now my Say tree less. is now my tree uses some of the red it uses these these like Dark blues, light blues, silvers, golds. And I got a blue and silver theme for like five years now. And then like my random like Disney or like other ornaments. Although this year, I really thought about it. This year, I, I decided not to put up my one Steelers ornament because it's Juju and he is no a, longer a Steelers. He is a <laughs> Kansas City Chief. I'm so starting to regret new... my last call because I'm not even halfway through this yeah. list. I need a new Steelers ornament. Back to my list. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even halfway through it at it's this point. Fine. It's adding conversation. The white candle of the advent wreath is lit on Christmas Day. While, 20... while the 25th of December is still a national holiday in Germany, it's celebrated differently to how we do in England and U.S. Yes. And traditionally, the family will gather around a heartwarming meal, attend church, children will play with their new toys, and the white candle of the advent wreath, the one in the middle, will be lit. Yes. But you don't really do Christmas till like, the day after, really. Um... It says here that in Germany, you do Christmas on the 25th. Okay, but like, yeah, it it's weird. It's like in Germany, like, yes, it's Christmas, but like, I don't know. It's just not the same as what we do. Correct. Number 10, Stalin. Perhaps one of the best German Christmas traditions, not to mention the tastiest, is Stalin. 
The fruit bread, which is made of nuts, spices, candied fruit, and powdered sugar, is enjoyed throughout the holiday season. It's fruitcake. <laughs> it looks better than fruitcake. Typically known in Germany as Weihnachtsstollen or Christstollen. This is why Sloan has not come up with Duolingo. <laughs> this famous festive cake has made its way all around the world and is unsurprisingly loved by all. So, like, look, it looks better than fruitcake. I mean, Theirs yes, does. But it like... looks the same. But our fruit cake is all of the dried fruits, and yeah. theirs is more cake than dried fruit. I'm just saying, think fruit cake. Weihnachtsstollen! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Number 11. Good god. <laughs> Anybody listening that's from a foreign country is like, and done. <laughs> oh, they, they, they quit on me a long time ago. Like... Like, we're at 19 minutes. They quit about 18 minutes ago. <laughs> Stern singer. Which, which translates to star singers. Oh. Is when young children dress up as the three wise men and go to visit houses in their neighborhood with a star on a rod. Let me tell you the wise men story. <laughs> with a rod. It <laughs> good cheer it derives from the catholic tradition but you bring baby jesus silver and gold because that's gonna keep him warm yeah the 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 rhyme the song that i know did not say anything about a rod <laughs> number 12 <laughs> hand carved wooden nutcracker figures commonly made to resemble bleh, to resemble a toy soldier is a common german christmas tradition I have one. That makes a lot of sense considering the Nutcracker play. Yeah. And how like robotic it is. You can't see me. We're not doing a video, but mm, mm, yeah, it makes sense. Cause, in time. In time. Because Germany and mm, yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah. So according. We don't talk about it. We should. I not know. we, but like Germany should talk about it. And we should continue talking about it here. In America as well. Everywhere. We should all learn from history. History repeats itself. We should learn from it and grow from it and move on. End of conversation there. Back to the Nutcrackers. According to German folklore, Nutcrackers were given as good luck keepsakes to the family to protect their home. It's thought they would watch over the family, keeping evil spirits and danger at bay. And I am so thankful that I have three Mississippi State Nutcrackers on my tree. Oh. Oh. I have Cincinnati <laughs> candy canes on my tree. Um, Mississippi State nutcrackers. <laughs> Hail State. All right, are you ready for my next 
fucked up word. Oh gosh. Verzengen bowl. Do you want to take your chance at it? It's a, it's a long one. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah, I did great, didn't I? <laughs> did amazing. Verzengen bowl. <laughs> Is a popular Christmas drink, which literally translates to fire tongs punch. Fireball. It's a fiery beverage made with wine, rum, and sometimes fruit juice. But oh. always wine and rum. <laughs> a mulled wine, you say? It's similar to a mulled wine, but with more of a kick. Us Have Germans, we like our alcohol. Have you ever tried it? Not yet, but we will. We'll get back to y'all. Maybe by next Christmas, but we'll get back to you. Hey, I got a drink coming up. Maybe we'll do it. Lebkuchen? Yeah, I was saying it's Lebkuchen. Also known as Fifa fucking. when they were used by Catholic monks. You can find them in Christmas markets, supermarkets. It's getting worse because I'm literally thinking for such. (laughs) 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 (sighs) And the fact that you threw in a monk, I was like, oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the Lebkuchen... I'm going with the easier name. The uh, Lebkuchen goes splendidly well <laughs> with an afternoon cup of tea. And my last fun fact, thank God we're finally here because I don't know if I can make it any longer. From Stillnock to Otanenbaum. I know what both of those are looking it's at. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. The O Christmas tree is O Tannenbaum, and Still Not is Silent Night. Not, yeah, I would say Silent Night. A German Christmas isn't complete without traditional carols. Some families will gather in their homes to sing together, while others will attend services run by the local church. Many of the carols date back to medieval times, featuring well-known folk melodies written by local clergymen. And I lied, there is one more fact, I'm oh, sorry. Gosh. The last one is Christmas Day is called Erster Fertag. 
Unlike Christmas Day celebrations every in England and U.S., the Germans know the 25th of December as Ersterfertag, which means first celebration day. While the presents will have all been open on Christmas Eve, the 25th is still a day where families gather, good food is eaten, and people enjoy well-deserved time off of work. What the fuck is time off of work? I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, we hope Maybe that you... Maybe has to work on Christmas Day. Right, right. I do feel bad for you. I, I do feel bad for you. Excuse me. Regardless, we hope that you enjoy your Verzang Bowl and oh. Pfeiffer fucking. <laughs> 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 you can find us on our social medias at Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. They're all Tequila She Wrote across the board. You can also email us at tequila she wrote at gmail.com. With any case suggestions, cocktail recipes, Christmas stories. If you are of German descent, we would fucking love to hear about your fucker fucking. <laughs> and if you could mail Christine me. from, uh, and that's why we drink. If you could mail me some fiver fucking to try. <laughs> I would love you even more. Even more. I still love you already. But anyways, yeah. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com and I will send you my address through that email address <laughs> if you're gonna send me some five for fucking. <laughs> oh, we also have our Patreon set up for as little as two dollars a month. You get ad-free episodes. You get even more craziness from us with our <laughs> bonus episodes. <laughs> and then if you want to pay a little more, go up a tier or two. You get even more content. You can join this hot mess express even more. I promise you, it it it's just it's a run. <laughs> it's something. Yes, but check it out. Let us know what you think. Let us know, you know what? Maybe you join. But easiest way to find us there is by going to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote, or you can go to our socials, click on our link tree. And you should be able to get a direct link to our Patreon. If you are struggling to find it, let us know. We will try to help you out the best way we can. But, yeah. I guess until next time. We'll see you next time. Thank you for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. Beep. <laughs>